12 or 6 years old, I started getting really bad headaches and they took me to the doctors to find out what it was and the doctors just thought it was migraines so they just sent me back, back to school and I progressively got worse and worse and everything I started to eat started to come back up and I was throwing it up again so something really wasn't right. It wasn't until they started doing a scan on the brain that they found a tumour the size of a tennis ball and when they removed that tumour all the stress on the brain caused me to have a stroke in the operation table. I was in hospital for about six to eight months. I was wheelchair bound for a good while after as well. To me, a long, long time to kind of move around, walk a bit. I'd always think like, where would I be now if I hadn't had this tumour? I would probably, I don't know, be here, there, I'd be up there somewhere instead of just doing nothing. That was quite hard, but I'm kind of very strong-minded. I always find something to do, keep me occupied, keep me going. Sport is key. Try and get yourself to a exercise class. There's lots of kind of stroke exercise classes about. Find out where your local one is, ask your GP, ask anyone. Positive thinking. Yes, bad things happen, but this is just a start to a new side of life. Hello, this is Stroke Stories, and I'm Mark Goodyear. For most surgeries, the risk of a post-op stroke is less than 1%, but the risk can be as high as 5% for surgeries for head and neck tumours, and between 2 and 10% for various heart surgeries. Post-op strokes can have a devastating effect on the patient, particularly for children and the elderly. And we started Stroke Stories, the podcast, to share the stories of stroke survivors. In this episode, we'll hear from Anthony Bryan, who suffered a stroke at the age of six. It's just ordinary kid running around, playing with friends, playing football. I was always very sporty anyway, always playing football, going to football practice with friends and just a normal happy kid. I was six years old. I started getting really bad headaches and they took me to the doctors to find out what it was and the doctors just thought it was migraines. So they just sent me back, back to school and I progressively got worse and worse. And everything I started to eat started to come back up and I was throwing it up again, so something really wasn't right. It wasn't until they started doing a scan on the brain that they found a tumour the size of a tennis ball. And for a six-year-old, it's quite, it's quite big. So I had to have um, an operation to remove that tumour. And when they removed that tumour, all the stress on the brain caused me to have a stroke in the operation table. I was in hospital for about six to eight months. I was wheelchair bound for a good while after as well. To me, a long, long time to kind of move around, walk a bit. And it was kind of hard from just always playing football to just not. From a very young age, Anthony was attending intense physiotherapy sessions, both at hospital and as an outpatient. It was at Great Ormond Street, so they have play groups that they kind of get you involved in but they kind of integrate physio in that as well. So it's kind of fun physio. But because I was a kid, I didn't want to do physio. I just want to do like the kids stuff, playing around. I kind of did it a bit, but not as much as I should. Because I was under the age of 16, I had physio every single day. I had home tutoring because I was still wheelchair bound for the first year or so. So I got a lot of help. When I went back to school, I used to get physio, come to school. But because I was a kid, I, did, I just wanted to go and play instead of having physio. 
when everyone, all my friends used to go play outside, I had to sit indoors because they were worried about banging my head or something like that. But yeah, that, that, was hard, that was hard for me, not playing around with my friends. When I was 16, then you kind of get discharged and then there's nothing really, really after that. You're kind of left to your own devices. I was always very sporty, so I always got kind of stuck in. I was quite a bit taller than the other kids, so I kind of barged my way about a little bit. But I kind of made it work for myself because by then I'd, I was probably around about 10 years later, so I'd kind of adapted to using one hand, using one leg playing football, I was back playing football again. I didn't start athletics until I was about 19, so quite late. I didn't kind of accept the help. that The school put on a lot of help for me, but I didn't kind of accept it, I didn't want it. So if I had help in my class, I kind of just wouldn't talk to them because I didn't, I didn't want that help. I probably should have taken that help, but I was so adamant that I just wanted to be the same as everyone else. I had a place at university, but I found a course that I could do in four months instead of three years for the same price, for three grand back then. So I did personal training course and I did it in four months, so really intense every day instead of doing it over a three year period. So I did that instead. I was the only disabled person in the whole class. Like I think throughout all my school, all my education, all my personal training, I've been the only person with disability. It makes me work harder because I've got to keep up the standard of everyone else. So I've got to work that bit harder. I'd always think like, where would I be now if I hadn't had this tumour? I would probably, I don't know, I'd be here, there, I'd be up there somewhere instead of just doing nothing. That was quite hard, but I'm kind of very strong-minded. I always find something to do, keep me occupied, keep me going. I was very, very shy in um, school. I didn't I was the quiet one and I wouldn't really speak about much, but I was always embarrassed of my, my weaker side. I'd always wear um, jumpers. Even if it was hot outside, I'd wear a jumper so that both my arms looked the same. I definitely wouldn't wear a vest. If someone came up to me and said, oh, what's wrong with your arm? I would have just gone, mind your own business kind of thing. Like, what's it to you kind of thing? I kind of should have opened up really because they were showing an interest in me. But I was kind of seeing that as, don't want to tell you kind of thing. The more sport I did, especially recently, doing athletics, people have been saying to me, oh, it's amazing what you do, it's such an inspiration. And I've kind of thought, I'll have to kind of own who I am, because I'm different to everyone else, but I'm still doing more than everyone else. So I just have to show them how it's done, kind of thing, get out there and show everyone how it's done. Anthony used fitness and sport to help him work through the after-effects of his stroke. I compete in athletics. I competed for England in the World Championships in the 800 metres and 1500 metres. And uh, I went to Barcelona last year and competed for England and came fourth in the final, just missing out by about two seconds. That was an amazing experience. And it's great just to kind of get into sport with people in the same kind of disability, the same kind of struggles as you. And even going into the gym and doing really hard workouts, people kind of find that inspiring. And like, that's motivational. Like, it motivates me as well as motivating everyone else as well. So I have two part-time jobs. One part-time job is in the local gym, just working at reception and teaching the old fitness class. And the other one's in central London in Tottenham Court Road, teaching um, exercise classes like circuit training, treadmill running, abs training, and the odd bit of spinning classes. 
I went for over 30 different interviews in gyms and they all said the same thing, you're not what we're looking for or you haven't quite got the image we're looking for. I could definitely do the job, but it was kind of, especially in the fitness industry, there's very much an image thing, like very much a vanity thing. And so I went for years and years and years not being employed. So trying to get job after job. I was getting the interviews, but just wasn't getting the job. One of the guys said to me, I'm going to tell you straight, because you can only use one arm, one leg, I don't think you can demonstrate the right exercises. But I, I can, because I've teach classes for like years and years and years. But he said to me, um, in my eyes, yeah, it's not good enough. Because I wasn't getting employed, I thought, I'm going to start volunteering in the gym and they can teach me and train me. So they taught me everything. They trained me up and worked me up. And then eventually I got a job there and they've been really supportive. And because I do running, they said, let's create a class which kind of shows what you can do. So we created a running class. We created running on a treadmill. And we do a half hour of running on a class. I get them going on the um, speed and we work every, every week on that. And it's actually grown to a really popular class. And his role as a trainer isn't just confined to the gym. I'm the instructor for a different strokes group at YMCA as well. So I kind of try and get them to integrate it into the gym. And some of them have really, really enjoyed it. And some of them, they're a bit shy to go in, but if you go in with them, they, they love it. Different Strokes was founded back in 96, 97. And so I had my, my brain tumor and stroke in 96. So when I was seven, I started to turn up to the groups. So um, they did exercise groups back then. And that was with the founders of the charity. So I kind of met all the, the founders and all that. One of the instructors, he was the one that inspired me, really, because he was um, an ex-bodybuilder. And he had a stroke in his 20s. And he was always kind of telling me, oh, you can do this, you can do that. And he's like, no pain, no gain kind of thing. And that kind of in inspired me. So then when I was older, I went and did my personal training. Then I'm kind of him now to the next generation. I think my mum only found out about different strokes when she was in Sainsbury's and she saw this board thing and she started chatting to someone. Um, and she brought me along to the exercise group. Before that, I didn't do anything. Just stayed at home, really. I was the youngest, everyone was 50 plus, but I was the only kid around, but just kind of get involved and they made me feel really welcome, so yeah. I think when I was younger, right, right at the beginning, you've got to get straight back in and use the body as much as you can, because once you just stop using it, then that's when it starts going downhill. It's happened now, I've got to make a whole new pathway, a whole new life now. So it's happened. Now I've got to turn that negative into a positive and show everyone how life can be done. Anthony's stroke interrupted his childhood but he never let it take over. Instead, he focused on sport and physical fitness to gain as much of a normal life as possible. Still to come on Stroke Stories, Anthony explains the mindset behind his recovery. No matter how hard things are or how, or how bad things have happened, there's always positive that you can, you've got positive thinking. You just go out there and do it and then put good things will happen. If you do good, hard things, good things will happen. And he reveals a potential new career path. So it's one of 250 kids. And the teachers were saying, now these kids could get very restless. Um, it's gonna get very, very loud because they can't really sit still for an hour. But as I gave my speech, there was absolute silence. 
Let's hear how Anthony used Instagram as the platform to share his story. I went on YouTube to have a look about what's about. There's a lot of fitness inspiration for able-bodied people, but there was nothing for disabilities. So I thought, I'm always training and people are always watching me in the gym, always watching me running around on the track, saying, oh, that's amazing, you're a machine, this, that and the other. So I thought, instead of showing just the people there and then, I could probably just project it out on a wider audience and show as many people as possible. So show that if I can do it, anyone can do it. I've got an Instagram yeah now. Things like me running on the track, running on the treadmills, so running as fast as I can on the treadmills, doing one-arm pull-ups, using the weights in the gym, lifting and pushing all the weights. All my running races that I do, I put all on Instagram. I'm going to try and start a YouTube soon and show all my training on there as well. Just try and get the message out there that no matter how hard things are or how, or how bad things have happened, there's always positive, that you can, you've got positive thinking. You just go out there and do it and then put good things will happen. If you do good, hard things, good things will happen. I first started competing for England in 2015. And so I kind of really upped my training. And with my coach, they said training like twice a day. And then some people on this used to kind of watch me on the track and they used to come up to me after and be like, that was amazing. And I was like, really? And I thought, if they think it's amazing, then I've got to kind of show it more. And probably, yeah, I am better than what I think I am. I don't give myself enough credit, really. Anthony also believes in surrounding yourself with positive relationships. My brothers have been really good. Me and my brothers are really close. They'll always kind of adapt things for me and they'll take the mick out of me, but it's kind of a good banter kind of thing. And like, um, yeah, we get along really well. We're a pretty close family, yeah. It's good to have good support around you, definitely. Friends, family. I kind of found friendships group was kind of, because I was always kind of just focusing on sport, sport, sport. And as you get older, all your friends do is just go drinking and partying. And so all my friends went that way and I kind of went that way. So kind of you, you go in and out of circles of friends. You've got to find the right circle of friends that are kind of good around you and push you in the right direction. And Anthony has his eyes set on a future goal. I want to start doing, um, kind of go around giving motivational talks. So I did a talk at school a few weeks ago at assembly and I had a really good response from that. So it's front of 250 kids. And the teachers were saying, now these kids could get very restless. Um, it's going to get very, very loud because they can't really sit still for an hour. But as I gave my speech, there was absolute silence. And the teacher said to me, I don't know how you did it, but the five-year-olds, they run around and they talk. And, but for the whole hour, they were just mesmerised and just paid attention to every word you said. They really kind of opened up about disability. So at the beginning, they were really kind of shy about it. And um, they went back to their class and then they come back after. And um, teacher said, well, when they back to, went back to class, they were asking all about your left arm, left side. Do you want to answer some questions about that? I was like, I said to them, yeah, ask anything you want. I'll answer absolutely anything. So then all their hands shot up and it's like, some of the questions like, how, how do you eat your food? I was like, well, I kind of adapted one hand. And some were like, how can you play PlayStation? <laughs> I was like, I played one-handed, and they were like, wow. <laughs> it was good, good questions like that. But then it kind of took away, like, they weren't scared to ask questions about it, which is kind of just how it should be. And I was like, wow, that motivated me a lot. So if I can do it for them, I'd like to do more of that. 
to motivate and inspire. So maybe the young kids, people with disabilities, post traumas. Yes, it's just, you can get out there. You can, you can do more. There's, don't just limit yourself and say, I'm, I'm finished kind of thing, because you're, you're never finished. Finally, here's Anthony's advice for stroke survivors. I was very angry what happened to me when I was a kid. Always angry, saying, just like, the world hates me. But now I'm just kind of, you have to make a positive of it. Otherwise, you're just going to go and spiral downwards. And you've just got to make the most of life. I'd say find a charity like Different Strokes or Stroke Association. Find the group near you. Uh, meet up. Everyone has great ideas in the groups. Physio is very important, very key. Keeping active, going for walks, or just sitting up and down, on, standing up, sitting down on the sofa. That's building the muscles in your legs. It's a bit like a squat. And support. Support is key. Try and get yourself to a exercise classes, lots of kind of stroke exercise classes about. Find out where your local one is, ask your GP, ask anyone. Positive thinking. Yes, bad things happen, but this is just the start to a new side of life. Having a stroke early in life didn't stop Anthony achieving everything he wanted to. He's now working closely with different strokes and is helping spread greater awareness around stroke and its after effects coming up in the next episode of Stroke Stories. I stepped out of the bathroom and as soon as I stepped out of the bathroom, my head, like, it was like a bomb went off and I fell down and I threw up and I was like, oh God, this is bad. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and each episode will get downloaded automatically. And please, if you have time, rate and comment on what you hear because it will help us spread the word. If you'd like to learn more about stroke, search for The Stroke Association online. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening. Listener.